Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Every single week, I have one goal to improve your health through tips guests and content that you can use straight away after you've listened to the podcast. On this week's episode, it's Dr. Eddie Murphy, clinical psychologist for the HSE, broadcaster, author, and expert on mental health and mental wellness. This is the Mind Gym episode. Dr. Eddie Murphy, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. How's it going? Carl Henry, the real health. <laughs> Did you steal my name if you're not becoming your real self? <laughs> this real health thing, I, I'm glad I, I somewhere unconsciously influenced you along the way. Yeah, real health is a really good tag for what we do. We aim to give tips every week. I'm sure you've listened to some of the shows. You were down in Dingle, down in Dingle, taking uh, it handy, handy surfing. No surfing, no, no, oh. took it, took it very handy, cycled a little bit. Nice, yeah, very nice, great. Today's episode is the Mind Gym 10 really simple tips that people can do to transform their mental health and who better to give it to us but yourself. Um, let's get straight into it. The first one I know that you're very kind of passionate about is the power of relationships. Tell us a little bit more about that. So it's key. I think if you're, if you're thinking about where in life that we struggle um, uh, and um, where we have conflict or uh, an area that, that, that soaks or, or seeps our energy and it drains out, I think relationships are so powerful. And we start off with the relationship with ourselves mm -hmm. and the relationship then that we have with our nearest and dearest and quite often then the relationships in work and with our family of origin. And if you map those relationships where we, we can struggle and, and that impacts on our, our, our well-being, our mental well-being, our emotional well-being is that whole area of how we have, how do, are those relationships, are they, are they close, are they nurturing, mm -hmm. or are they toxic? And I suppose a key question for the listeners is, is your relationship healthy or toxic? And that's my tip in this particular area, is to ask yourself, is, um, is this uh, supporting me to become a better person? Is it supporting me in my life? Or, and am I supporting that other person in my life to be, to, you know, is, am I nurturing or am I critical? And I would encourage a person to, to, you know, to dump that critical voice, be nurturing, be coaching and be supportive. And if people are toxic in your life, it's like uh, then it's time to kick those people out of your life. OK, so I suppose exercise number one is have a look at the relationships in your life. Look at which ones are positive and which ones are toxic and begin to steer away from the ones that are toxic. Well, yes. Yeah, so and the challenge then for, for many people um, and I'd see this a lot in either the therapy room or in some of the work that I've done is that when toxic people are in your lives they're and part of your family. So uh, I remember uh, Mary who came to see me once um, she came to see me over a, no a period of months and really for her she said I love my mum but I don't like her and her mum was quite toxic to her 
Um, so it's how do you manage people that are in your life that are toxic? So okay. it's easy. I know at one level it's easy to say if they're toxic and not really part of your circle or tribe, yeah. kick them out. See, I'd be enough. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be you, that cold or it's you, literally. And, I, and I've always done that over the years. If someone has got who, who is taking away from my ability to move forward, I've just taken them out of my, my life and just moved on, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a partner, whether it's whatever it may be. I've all, and th- I've always done that. It's just one, one of the ways that I've... I've but the struggle then, Carl, is if what happens if that person is part of your life? And then how yeah. do you manage that? So in that cir- circumstance, then, what I would be saying to that individual is to imagine it like you, and it, you know, I'm going to use this word, look, titrate the dose, reduce <laughs> the dose of the toxicity down. <laughs> okay, so if someone is toxic in your circle, uh, see them a little bit less, I think is what Eddie's really saying. That, that, that's, I, that's, uh, that's exercise number one. Um, on relationships, though, there is another element of that, isn't there? That relationship with yourself. So th- there's the toxic component of the people around you, but also the relationship in your own head. That if you get up in the morning and you're negative as opposed to positive talk or positive self-talk, how can people deal with that? Like we've listened to some sure he listened in and woke up this morning thinking, oh, I look terrible or I don't want to go to work or life is dreadful or... And are there ways to kind of talk yourself out of that? Are there techniques that you can do to, to get around that? Well, I think the first part of that, and it's interesting because it is awareness, okay? You need to be aware. Like everybody has an inner voice and the inner voice that we have, you know, that inner dialogue is uh, the question then is, is that, is it, again, is it coaching? Is it nurturing? Or is it critical? Is it like a poison parrot? Something that is chipping away there, but it has a negative uh, a negative talk or negative self-talk. Just like, I'm not feeling great or I don't look as good as others or when you compare and despair and you compare yourself to others. Compare and despair. I like that. Do you like that? Oh, that's really nice. Do you like that? But people do. And Bill Cullen was the famous one, wasn't he? He always famed for uh, every morning getting up, looking in the mirror and telling himself how much he loved himself three or four times as a kind of positive positive affirmation. Positive affirmations are are, are very useful, are very good, very useful. In an Irish context, you know, often like thinking positive, it feels very American. It does. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I'd be an eternal optimist. So if people come into me in the gym, I'm yeah. always happy. I don't have a bad, I'm not allowed to have a bad day because people come into me to feel better. So therefore, no matter how bad my day is or my morning is or whatever's going on, I am positive and happy and bubbly. That's my A persona naturally, but B, my persona on a work level. So you have to kind of keep that going. But imagine, right? Imagine the day and how, Carl, we're going to shift in from our well-being points into bit of psychotherapy for Carl here it's in, like the, a in the room. You just, this is, a, this is, this is the, the danger of bringing a psychologist into the room. But imagine that every day that you putting up your, and this is going back to real health and real self. And you know I'm very passionate about real self. You are. But imagine you go in and you're, you have that uh, positive persona, but on inside, you're not feeling like that. So putting an energy into a positive persona when you're not feeling like that consistently, um, and, you know, and rather than putting your energy into your real self, uh, that can be a drain. Mm-hmm. Where, so it's really about connecting with your authentic, uh, being authentic with yourself and say, okay. if you have that level of uh, uh, happiness, that's great. Then figure out what you're doing and keep that going. If you have a, uh, when you maybe do an internal scan and say, OK, there's I, I'm not feeling happy here. What's going on? So what's going on often is when you have a negative emotion, quite often there's negative thoughts associated with that. Okay. And then it's uh, being awareness of those thoughts and mm-hmm. then changing them thoughts. 
Okay, so if you, got, if you got up this morning and you're listening in and you're feeling absolutely crap, it's, I suppose, being aware of it is the first thing. And then B is a little bit of analysis. Looking at it, looking at the why. Why do I feel that way? And then working working back from there. Yeah, not, hide, it, not hiding from it. That's it, yeah. yeah. Working, saying, what, what's the thought? Um, is that thought true? Because quite often, uh, you know, in psychology, we use the whole area of cognitive behavioral therapy. So we capture the thoughts uh, by being aware of them. And then we start changing the thoughts. Is there another way I can look at this situation? Um, what would this situation look in a year's time? Am I uh, discounting any positives in this situation? Uh, what would I say to my best friend if they had these thoughts? And with those type of questions, you're straight away going to depower them negative thoughts mm -hmm. and get them into more positive space. Love it. Great. Okay, so mind gym exercise number one is all about relationships, both for the people around you and the relationship with yourself. If it's toxic, look to change it and look to improve it. Sounds pretty simple, but actually it'd be really, really beneficial and it's a great place to start. It takes work, like any gym. Like when I, if I go to your gym and you're going to get me from couch to 5K or if you're going to get me from... You might get me under that four-hour marathon at some stage, Carl, will you? It's, it's small and income, small changes <laughs> bit by bit by bit by bit. I've done five, but I've never gone under the four hours. It took me four, four marathons to break four hours, so just keep going is the, is the, is the word. Okay, the second um, exercise is all about your emotions and um, transforming powerful emotions. Talk to us a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah, well, I would say obviously, but actually when it comes to emotions, there's no obvious because in Ireland, our emotional literacy is quite poor. Uh, we don't teach it in primary school. We have very poor uh, teaching in secondary school. And uh, I suppose, and it, interestingly now, there's a bigger conversation about how we can have, emo uh, how we can uh, manage our emotional life. Um, particularly for men as well, because we're, again, that whole area of emotional literacy, we're not really good at it. So naming our emotions is a start, okay. so labeling them. And emotions, I suppose, if you want to think about it as a takeaway tool, your emotions can be described in one word. So it can be happy, sad, angry, upset, irritated, annoyed, frustrated, positive, authentic, uh, 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 feeling uh, f full or flow you know that there's a sense of the positive emotions as well because it's important to talk about positive emotions as yeah. well as negative emotions mm -hmm. and flow is a state uh, it's a state in athletics it's a state that people if you can get into a flow state in your life that's where things are moving in a very uh, it's almost like uh, I, I imagine it like the Matrix movie. You know when the bullets are coming in, oh, yeah. and he's yeah. able to sort of bend and see the see the bullets and see the movement and avoid them. And a flow state is like that in your life. You know how do you, so managing emotions? First of all, being able to label them, mm -hmm. and then being able to transform them if you are have a negative emotional state. Yeah. Again, and we talked some through some of that around our thinking tools to change the emotional state, and also our behavioral tools as well. What we can do, I suppose, the biggest. One of the biggest takeaways, you know, from thousands of hours of therapy working with individuals um, is the whole area that avoidance plays in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Avoidance will always keep a difficulty going. So, for example, and if the easiest way is if, it's, if I brought a snake into this room, I don't know, some people might not be comfortable. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be here if you brought a snake into this room. But so the behavioral, <laughs> the behavioral thing is avoidance. But when it comes to relationships and wildlife or work, or if it, quite often people avoid things. Of course they do. Yeah. But avoidance will always keep a difficulty going. And in our psychological lives, our emotional lives, if you're engaging in the behavior of avoidance, you'll, that pro you strengthen that problem. Mm -hmm. And by tackling avoidance, 
you will really get to the root of um, uh, you'll get towards more emotional wellness. Okay, so exercise two basically is, again, it's, uh, it's analysis really and it's analysing as opposed to the people in your life. It's analysing your emotions, how you feel and also the stuff, that, the, the clutter in the back of your mind that you've been avoiding, be it relationships or be it work uh, or be it physical or whatever it may be. And the conversations but, that you need to have. Sometimes we need to have a conversation about uh, so if, if, about boundaries. You know, if somebody is stepping into our space or somebody is too distant and you're looking to connect, then having a conversation, you know, rather than avoiding it. That's really where... And I, I, I invite your listeners to think, is there a part of their life, is there a part of your life where you haven't had a conversation that you need to have? If and I'm you, sure there's everyone in this, ro- about this room and our listeners who listen in who think there is... Certain, everyone has somebody. Of course they do. Sometimes, it, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and then we have to trade off, it. do we need that? Or is that a leak in terms of our emotional wellness? Or is that something that need, we can deal with? But avoidance, Carl... If you got if I got a penny or a euro for every time I say that in the therapy room, I would uh, be able to donate a million to some <laughs> mental health charity. You know, well, again, simple but really, really, really powerful. Um, okay, so the next one we're going to move it on a little bit, and I suppose the next one is, is, is about the confidence to be yourself and to be your real self and not being afraid of being that person. Yeah. So um, many people put an energy into a front. And it, they, quite often we, we wear a front in the world. And you find that people are, are happiest or have good emotional wellness are people who invest their energy into their real self mm-hmm. and not into a front. If you're putting all that energy into a front, then uh, that, that, the gap between your real self and that front can be filled with sadness, anger, lots of negative emotions, stress, anxiety. And then putting that in, that's what I wrote a book out called Becoming Your Real Self. And it's in public libraries and online and all the rest. And in good bookstores as well. And in good bookstores, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so about being your real self and just be, don't be afraid to be yourself. And something yeah. very refreshing meeting someone, I have two or three people in my head that I, that I meet on a reasonably regular basis. And one is a, he's a very gregarious character and that's just him. And it's lovely. It's so refreshing because he doesn't hide behind it. He doesn't, this is just him and it's the way he is and that's, Brilliant. And he's very refreshing to be around because he just doesn't really care. It's like, this is me and, you know, you can take me or leave me and that's totally cool. And it's, it's not wonderful, like, to be able to say that. And, like, if you think about it, we tread, you know, for so many years in this world and uh, too often we're caught up in what other people think about us. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I have two boys, they're 10 and 8 now. And, you know, at times they're very concerned about other people in the game. They're doing football camp now. So I'm, uh, one guy is, is doing a goalkeeper camp and I'm, he's, he's mad into being a goalkeeper, the youngest, Dara. And um, I asked him to put a, a hat on. You know, it's good sunny days and all the rest of it. Do you think he wear a hat? Because all, none of the other kids are wearing oh, the yeah, hats. Okay. So it's how, so it's, so it's how, how this thing of, and you want, you know, it's different. I know in, as a young kid, you want to sort of uh, verge towards the mean, what everybody yeah, else is conform. doing, right? Conform, that's it. Whereas you want people to be, to be in a way, you know, stand on your own feet, mm-hmm. your own ground. No, I, I didn't learn that till I was well into my 20s and yeah. 30s. You know, I'm, you know so I can't I expect that. A young, my no, young I, eight-year-old to do it. I, th- I think but, it was probably my early 30s when I hit that point. 
which was a little bit more along the lines of, you know what, this is, I'm pretty happy with who I am. This is kind of me. And yeah, that's, you know, what you see is what you get. Yeah. And and there is a, just some chatting to you, like there, for people listening in, there's an element of self-confidence about that and about the exercise, yeah. which is be confident in your own skin and be confident with, with who you and, are. And to invest time to do that, because, you know, we both talked about times we weren't that confident. And even though we're talking now and, you know, we, we like all human beings, we have flaws. We have days that we feel great and there's days that we don't feel so great. And in life, life can throw up many challenges to 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 us, us all. And like how we respond to those challenges is critical as well. Love it. OK, let's move it on. Um, the next uh, exercise, number four, we're going to. And this is a word, listeners, you will read it. You will hear it. Uh, and people will talk about it time and time and time and time again. And actually, I'm not quite sure that people understand what it means. And that word is mindfulness and to practice some mindfulness on a regular basis. Talk to us. What is that? OK, so mindfulness is probably one of the open, it's a buzzword, right? It is. It's, it's, and total, it's, a buzzword. it's everywhere. And, and uh, it's 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 thrown out like uh, confetti at a, at, a, at, a, at a wedding, right? Yeah. Um, but mindfulness, first of all, mindfulness is very old. Mindful, when we talk about mindfulness, it's a uh, um, it's a Western way of it's a Western adaptation of meditation. Yeah. yeah, and it's about mindfulness is about being in the present. Okay. Okay. Uh, often regret is focused about the past, and uh, anxiety and stresses are as associated with the future, and mindfulness is about being in the present moment. How do you, and for some people, that mindfulness, uh, the best mindfulness course, uh, Western-based mindfulness course, is a thing called MBSR, uh, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. Uh, mindfulness.ie would have a website of all the courses in Ireland. Okay. Um, it's a good winter course to do. It uh, happens every one night a week for two and a half hours over an eight-week period. And it's an ad- adapt- it's a, 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 a copy of the John Kabat-Zinn program, which was used out of uh, uh, one of the universities of Pennsylvania in America. And it was used for a chronic pain uh, group in a general hospital setting. And uh, that program, MBSR, is that if you want to invest time and learn mindfulness properly mm-hmm. in a good evidence-based pro- approach is MBSR. Very good program. Okay. And here's a really interesting thing. For people that have experienced depression in their life, the ev- there's an evidence base that MBSR ha- um, can, imp- can prevent future episodes Relapse. of depression, relapses of depression. Um, now you don't you wouldn't be doing the MBSR program in the in the in the during an episode of depression, mm-hmm. but afterwards feeling well, then it's a good time to invest in so to prevent a relapse. And if I wanted to give our listeners a really simple mindfulness exercise to try maybe today or this week, uh, I suppose I could suggest that they might Well like, let me suggest one yeah, if you don't mind, right? Because mindfulness is about fundamentally it's about the breath. Yeah. And it's about breathing. Okay. And the the uh, stopping, taking deep breath in, right back into the abdomen, in for five, hold that breath, notice that tension in your abdomen, and as you breathe out in your head, you say something positive towards yourself. So something like, relax, it's okay, or stay with it, whatever you know. Keep stay the course, or 
keep going or whatever. So you're, what you're doing is effectively taking a nice deep breath in and you're noticing your body, you're noticing its tension, you're not, and then you're breathing out. So that breathing in and breathing out is the basis of, of mindfulness. Okay. And then, you know, with mindfulness practice, then you're able to, uh, uh, thoughts come in and you become aware of them, like, uh, but you don't engage with them. And that's the difference between, we'll say, mindfulness and cognitive therapy. Okay. With cognitive therapy, we engage with the thoughts. We, we, it's like a tennis match. The ball is coming in. We see the ball coming. We have the awareness. And now we're going to apply a few tools to kick that negative thought out of there and make it a more balanced and neutral thought. With mindfulness, we go, oh, here's the negative thought. I'm aware of it, but I'm not going to engage in it. So it's um, quite an interesting thing, yeah. For people listening in who might, the whole breathing thing might just be a little bit scary. Uh, I think <laughs> Irish people can be a bit like that. Uh, they may, even the word breathe in and whole, whatever just freaks them out. Uh, if, could I say, if, would I be, if I say, could I simplify it or could, if you obviously yeah, simplify on, it, yeah. but if I was to say, and regular listeners will know, I'm a big, uh, I push leaving the phone outside the bedroom and, and having phone-free meals. Like, is a phone-free meal having your breakfast, focusing on eating your breakfast and how it tastes, is that a version of mindfulness yes. or is that something different? No, it's not different. So um, not just because not because you don't have the phone outside the room doesn't make it mindful, okay? okay. Um, you can have, there's components of mindfulness, which is mindful walking, uh, mindful loving kindness, uh, mindful eating. Now, mindful eating would be where you would um, slow down, mm -hmm. uh, you would taste the food, you would look at the food, you'd look at the colouring. So imagine just, imagine a strawberry. You would look at the food, you'd have it in your hand, you'd feel the texture of the strawberry, you'd notice the, the redness, you'd notice the, the different colouring, the, the pip pimples, you'd take a big notice, you'd notice the texture in your, on, your, on your thing, you'd put it into your mouth, you wouldn't bite it, you'd hold it in your mouth, you'd take it, a sort of a sm sm small bite, you wouldn't have any taste, then you come through, then the taste would come through, you'd notice the taste. So you're, not, so you're right. noticing. So that's... Orla, Orla Walsh, <laughs> if you're listening in, you'll be loving this podcast because Orla Walsh is all about... Like okay, this. so that's... Uh, that's uh, if you imagine that, we have blueberry or stuff like that. So that's a very interesting way of okay. mindfulness. Okay, so make mindful... Okay, love it. Mindfulness, really simple. Be in the present. Being Try present. some breathing. Take deep breath notice. in and deep breath out and yeah. take notice. And even uh, we were in Boston chatting to Adam Clayton a few weeks ago. His version of that is what is is being in the back of a car, uh, just driving through the streets and just looking out the window and just taking in the sights, the sounds, and not having a phone anywhere near them. So I, yeah. you know, so it's it's simple. Simple. It could be like just take your shoes off and put your feet. And what are your feet on? Are they on carpet? Are they on sand? Are they on grass? Are they on wood? And noticing, noticing. That's what I do that in the, in the morning when I, for, I wake up at half four and I go out into the back garden with my bare feet and just kind of hang out there for five minutes. <laughs> I make my neighbors think I'm really weird and I probably am really weird, but however, you're listening to the Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, you can email us. It's realhealth at independent.ie or hashtag Real Health Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Moving on to the next exercise. This is one I love. Uh, we vaguely touched on it already, but this is delving a little bit further into it and that's developing an optimistic mindset being a glass half full as opposed to a glass half empty person i think our listeners would have heard bits of this before but what simple ways can people i suppose flip that on its head how can they become more optimistic or are they just are people just born optimistic or not optimistic or you know what's the well how does okay that so um you know, the science of this would be that I don't buy it. It's a nature-nurture debate. Are people born optimistic or they're not? So uh, 
you know, it's sometimes it's overplayed the, the genetic basis of many different things because the environmental influence, it's a bit of both, right? Okay. But it, it's your, your environmental, your learning environment. What are you observing? You know, and for many people, they have experienced adversity in their life, okay? And um, uh, one of the things, even if you've faced adversity in your life, there's a really important thing in psychology, and we call it one good adult, okay? And having sat in the room with many people who've experienced uh, uh, traumas in their life or abuse or um, uh, major mental health or major adversities in their life, um, what, what we know is that if you've one good person, that person can be a parent, um, it can be a teacher, can be a coach, it can be a, a, a co-worker, um, somebody that they can model themselves on. And that's why I think the importance of uh, children involved in the whole area of, of sports and, 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 be, and people that coach and haven't uh, have been a really good role model in the, that context because the, it's almost like putting a, a seed in to an individual. Even though they faced adversity, the, the, the capacity for them to look at somebody who's uh, that one good adult. And I suppose the challenge in a way is, can we be one good adult to ourselves, not just to other people? So one of the ways that people are pessimistic is to surround yourself with people who are that good adult, that kind of optimistic adult. And well, that can be one. Or So again, because um, we know that optimism is linked to positive emotions and, and, and healthy mental wellness and uh, well-being, um, is, is where is your focus? What is my focus on? So imagine you're wearing a pair of glasses, okay? Is your glasses, which is like a filter, and is are you filtering negative information? Are you filtering threat information? Because if you're feeling people, people who are depressed will say, filter negativity in their past, their present, and their future. People who are anxious filter threat in their, uh, in their future. People who are angry filter unfairness and threat. So if they see unfairness, why did they get the promotion? I didn't get the promotion. How come he got that gig and I didn't get that gig? So this is how we filter information. So, it's, you know, so how, if we can then step back from filtering information in those negative ways and filter it in a more optimistic way or neutral way and say, OK, you know, you often hear that one door closed, another door will open. Course, yeah. there, there are sort of thoughts that are put in, but there are thoughts that optimistic people would use and say, what can, what's the best I can make out of this situation? Is there another way I can look at this? And, and we go through those sort of list of... of OK, of so again, it's, uh, it comes back to some of the stuff we were chatting about earlier on, which is that you, you step back. A big component of the, of the Mind Gym episode is going to be better listeners stepping back and analysing different components of their life. So and, earlier on, it was people, it was yourself, yeah. and now we're kind of taking it to, to, to situations that where you are pe normally pessimistic, actually, you step back from it and say, well, okay, how can I flip this on its head? You think about it a little bit more and you, you step away from it a bit. And also, Carol, which I think is really important because as psychologists, okay, working with individuals, it's like... It, too often psychology is operate uh, is thought about in a deficit way what's wrong with this person what's the default what's the what's the deficit and quite often and particularly if we're going to develop a positive a positive and optimistic mindset we need to start looking at our strengths our resources and what we have within us because i believe that and i've haven't worked with thousands of people that 
building somebody from a space of, uh, of, 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 of struggle and vo- vulnerability to a place where they're their real self, in a way, is an, an, on, on that pathway, is actually delving, supporting that individual for, within their own strengths and resiliences and resources. And it's from that pool that you will, uh, so I would encourage people to look at their own strengths Okay, so be aware of what you're good at. Focus on those things and believe in the fact that you will get the breaks, you will get the promotions, you will get the changes that you're looking for and they will come in time. But don't be afraid to step back and just take a look at it and then... Well, and also part of that, if you're talking about the breaks and the promotions and time, is like (laughs) the difference between triumph and try is oomph. (laughs) It's <laughs> energy and work and focus. And sometimes we Efforts. have to put a bit of oomph into this sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's a really good point. I think you ha- people see uh, people see other people and the success that they may achieve and think, oh, that's, you know. This is your favourite thing, Rob. It you, is. You know, you, you know me this, far too well. This is your favourite thing. You, you're, you're, you operate off the world that work hard work gives the reward. <laughs> It's the Capricorn mentality. I mean, you see, this is what happens when I bring someone who knows me on the Real Health podcast. They start to <laughs> reveal lots about me. Uh, but I do. I, I genuinely believe that if you work hard enough, you can do basically anything. That you can open those doors and think the chances you'll get them by pure graft. You uh, see, for for me, I, I like I like that mindset. But for many people, that doesn't happen. They might have put in that triumph or the oomph. They might have put in that effort. And you know, for, for you see, some people come from different backgrounds and they don't come from uh, places where the doors are, e- are easily open to them. I'm, I'm reminded with uh, a, a true story of um, how a, an individual uh, expressed to their parent that they were interested in being a vet. Okay. And we're from an inner city Dublin environment. And uh, uh, so the the parents said, ah, isn't that grand love? You'd love to be a vet. Fine. In the same, uh, maybe six miles away in Dublin, Mm -hmm. the same same child said, "Uh, I'd I'd like to be a vet. And uh, mammy and daddy said, oh, that's grand. Sure, we have uh, friends that are vets. And I tell you what, we'll give you an experience in the vets for two two weeks and you can see what that's like. And you see, not everybody has the same pathway. Mm-hmm. Like my pathway into psychology, what well, I wasn't a 590-point uh, Irish leaving cert. You know, so we, you know, I, think, I think we have sometimes to think broader and uh, sort of my pathway is actually I learned to just discover uh, how to study when I was in my late 20s. So, you know, um, so I just, it's well, interesting. Keep, keep, you know, so keep your goals in mind, keep optimistic and keep working towards those goals. And that's a really good kind of structure to put on it. Okay, following on from that in terms of the sixth uh, exercise in, in the mind gym, and actually follows really, really well, is uh, say yes and take risks and seize opportunities when they arise. I think it's something that people are scared to do uh, sometimes, but actually by saying yes, it can open up lots of I think, of yeah. I, again, it's back to the, if, what's the opposite of avoiding? If we're going to avoid and say no, but it, really about saying yes creates opportunities. And in life, we have many uh, choice points. We have choices. It comes to food and nutrition. It comes to exercise, and it comes to our mental well-being as well. We have many different choices, and, uh, uh, and people have conversations and saying, "Is there an opportunity? Is there a, sp- a space that we can go?" For ex- so, for example, in terms of psychology, okay, the people want to be able to have their therapist in their phone. 
They want to be able to access it on the train and at home and have the, uh, access to resources when they want to. And it's, I know it's something that the healthcare companies like Leia Healthcare have just launched their own service, which is exactly the same. You can talk to a psychologist uh, through your phone, as far as I know, which yeah. is brilliant, which is great to see. Exactly. So it's really because, you know, we need to start thinking about how we deliver uh, mental health care in a very different way. <laughs> That's another discussion for another day. Yeah, I'm going to put But it's about accessibility, you know, in terms of... I'm going to put it back to saying yes. Saying yes. Saying yes. And so in your life, I'd encourage you to say yes. Take risks. You know, it, this is... I just think life is so precious now. And it's about taking, say, you know, taking the opportunities and pushing yourself out there and accepting medio- mediocrity is not an option. Really put yourself out there and what that, what that could be for you. And for some people, that could be that they're going to learn to swim uh, and they've never swam. Or for some people, it could be... Uh, could be asking someone out on a date. Asking someone out on a date. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Okay, if you're listening in, you're listening to the uh, Mind Gym uh, Real Health Podcast episode. Ask that person you love out for a date secretly. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> There's your homework from this week from Dr. Eddie Murphy. Ask him out. Don't be afraid. But the ability, you know what? Have a look at your week. Do Next week or after the po- you listen to the podcast, do something. Say yes to something that you would normally not say yes to or do something that scares you and just take that risk. Again, these are all super simple tips. They work really, really well. You just got to put it into action and try them. So I hope you've enjoyed everything so far. We're going to keep going. Um, exercise number seven, add some kindness into your life. I, yeah. lo- I love that. Yeah, well, you see, kindness is critical, right? Uh, too often, um, too, uh, kindness, it's a small thing, but in a way, it's such a big thing. Imagine, it's, imagine if our society was more kind to each other. Imagine the change that there would be in terms of the aggression and uh, in terms of anger and, uh, you know, and start with kindness towards yourself because too many people are, are super critical of themselves and start with that kindness and then share that kindness with others. And kindness is a gift that keeps on giving in a way. Uh, uh, and, and there's for many people, they're actually the, the practice uh, a type of uh, uh, kindness. For example, um, there's a very famous story of, of where somebody went and bought a uh, went to the toll booth in America. Oh, I know the story. Okay, and uh, so they they put in a, they paid they pay forward. Sorry, yep. Okay, and so they, this is an Oprah story, and they, they put their money in and they paid for the uh, the the toll booth, and the next person comes in, and that chain went on for a couple of hundred. Sort of, yeah. I did. It the, I did it on the East Link toll bridge about a year ago, where I paid for. I had a really good day, and something happened. I got a contract for something. I was like, "Oh my god, I feel brilliant!" And I thought about that story, and I got to the toll bridge. My, my tag wasn't working, so I said, "Look, you know what? Take for ten cars out of that, and pay for ten cars." And I felt, I felt, a, it was a really good day anyway. But b, I actually felt alive is probably a little bit strong, but I, the, the feeling from giving that random act of kindness was incredibly powerful. Yeah. Very I got I got more out of them yeah. than the ten people who I paid for. Yeah, so it's around and th- that those acts of kindness and you know starting with yourself and then and, and spreading that kindness to others is, is, is a wonderful thing. Oh. And here's the thing: um, there's a really good uh, talk about giving uh, volunteer.ie. It's a website. It's a free Irish website where you go and if you're interested in volunteering, okay, and whether you're um, I was involved in the loneliness task force and we looked at the impact of loneliness. Um, which uh, people that are lonely uh, live three years, it's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Uh, they live three years short, shorter. There's a really, really, really powerful um, health 
impact of being lonely. And volunteer.ie, you can, if you're interested, you can volunteer in social justice. You can volunteer in uh, animals, uh, animal charities or uh, uh, loads of different charities, children's charities mm. and health charities. And uh, so uh, I would encourage people to look at that volunteer.ie because any volunteer will, will get more than the gift, to be honest. That's the, that's the evidence base for mm-hmm. it. Mm. And again, it's a simple tip. Add some more kindness into you. And even on a simple way, and it's something I see less and less of uh, over the last couple of years, I've noticed it with younger people coming up. It's like, it's old school. It's like opening a door for somebody or letting somebody sit into a seat. Like they're random acts of kindness. I'm going to be like an old school male here. I do that for a woman. I open doors for women. I, you know, if, if it's a really busy train, I'll let someone slightly older sit down in front of me because that's just what I think is the right thing to do. But also it's a random act of kindness. And you feel great. And sometimes the person might even smile and acknowledge the fact that you've done it. And you feel even better. But this is the, simple. This is the part. This is actually one thing about train travel. Isn't it interesting that it's changed over years ago on train? People, people talk now they're engaged in their, in their, in their phone, basically. And uh, it's interesting that the more we're uh, connected online, the more we're disconnected in the real world. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm going to move on to the next tip in one second. But just on that, um, I was heading into a TV studio for an interview and there was three or four people with me. And I opened the door for this one person and she refused to walk through the door. <laughs> and I took grave offence and it really upset me. I was like, and I said it to her after, I was like, I wasn't trying to offend you. I was just, well, that's just not how I roll. It's like, fair enough, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> moving on. This is a very personal podcast. I love is this. It? Yeah, so they bring you in and I chat to, I start, start talking about stuff to do with myself. Um, that's okay. We're com- People it's, like self-disclosure, you know, Gareth. It's like my own very personal <laughs> therapy session with Dr. Eddie Murphy. This is great. Uh, okay, so the mind gym, um, number Wait, eight. Now, if I was doing the therapy with you, I'd say, what was it about that that made you upset? We're <laughs> <laughs> going far too deep now. Far too deep. Go on now, Carol. <laughs> it's huh? the fact that it was an act of kindness and it was thrown back in my face by this person who wouldn't walk through the door. And I said, this is just this is just the PC world going absolutely ballistic because here's me being nice and being friendly with a big smile on my face and here's a person not going walking through the door and it really bothered me but but see the bit is like how long it's in in life it's like how long how long do we let this stuff bother me? or do we just week. or do we just move do we about a week or do we just move, see the, or do we just move and accept that person for what they are that's the way they operate in the it world really up, not, I, not everybody operates in, in the current mode in I know, the world. It re, but it really did. I mean you're a fairly unique individual now like, I mean I'm at a, the end of the day I'm a you bit know odd. you're uh, you're not that odd. you're a bit odd you're, you know you're, you're not many people can <laughs> cycle 300 kilometers a week run 10 10 10 k's a week and uh so you know we, we don't all have that time you know <laughs> we're all individual eddie we're all individuals <laughs> moving swiftly on to number eight uh in our mind gym. i tell you what <laughs> now throw some, some of your water here because uh, I, I feel like i'm doing the work here you take, you, you take some water on board <laughs> folks you're listening into the uh mind gym episode of the real health podcast with dr eddie murphy here in studio taking us through his top 10 ways to improve your mental health and your mental wellness if you've listened in so far, you've noticed everything's really simple, really straightforward, but really powerful. I've worked with Eddie for a long, long time. He knows his stuff and uh, he's got some really good tips so far. We're down to the final three. We're going to talk about uh, the comfort zone and getting outside the comfort zone for exercise number eight. And we kind of vaguely touched on this earlier on about taking risks. We're going to delve into a little bit more. Now, that comfort zone, can, Eddie, can often stop you from achieve, achieving your potential, I suppose, as yeah. a fair... I mean, uh, people, well, particularly people like anxiety, they, 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 they build a life in themselves where they're just, uh, it's to- totally safe. But in that safeness, their world gets smaller. 
And uh, there's a really good book I often uh, encourage people to read. It's called Who Moved My Cheese? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I love yeah. this book, right? It's, re- it's read in an hour and a half. It's about uh, hem and haw and, and <laughs> sniff and scurry. It's about mice and men. It's a fabulous book, right? And uh, it's really a book about change and how it changed. But there's a powerful question in this, and I'll leave this question with your listeners, is like, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? What would I do if I wasn't afraid? And if you can start answering that question in your life, you're going to push your life into a more space that is more engaged, more uh, authentic, uh, more uh, more uh, out of your comfort zone, effectively. Into uh, you know, so I would say the question I would say, and the one that I'm asking you to ask yourself if you're listening, is what would you do if you weren't afraid? Get your pen, write it down, make it visible and attack that next week using all the stuff that you've done so far. Number nine, adversity, resilience, crucial for mental health. Things happen to all of us from time to time, good things, bad things. And this is a non-scientific word, but the bounce back ability of people is really important for mental health. Yes, yeah, so resilience is our ability to bounce back after adversity. And bounce back ability is a brilliant word. So it is. And... Uh, and so how can we, so quite, when I, for example, stress, okay? So when I thought about stress many years, a couple of years ago, I would think about uh, stress in the context of uh, changing the situation, changing how you think about the situation and increasing your coping mechanisms for Say, for example, you, you say you were caring for an elderly mom or something like that, or you had a child with a, a disability and you had a lot of uh, stress associated with that. Now, you can't change the situation. It's hard enough to think about changing um, how you think about that situation because it's reality in front mm-hmm. of you. So you increase your coping mechanisms. But resilience is a way, I think, and I work with fire crews. So I do. I work with a lot of fire crews and... Um, uh, over the years, I, I visit them when we talk about the whole, I talk about your battery being full, empty or half full. And in your life, your battery will be, you can be brilliant, full of energy and then shit happens. And thing, you know, things happen in a way that you're, it's totally, uh, your battery is exhausted. So resilience is like where you at. If I was to ask your listeners again, zero to a hundred, how would they rate the resilience? How would you rate it? What number would you give it on the scale? And if you're 100 or 80, 90 or 100, you're doing really well. Do keep, figure out what you're doing and keep doing it. If you're, in, you know, 40 to 70, okay, if you're 0 to 40, you've got a lot of work to do here to build up your resilience. And if you're 40 to 70. But here's the question I'd ask. Psychologists were always asking questions. Um, <laughs> it goes something like, what, uh, what would you need to do to shift that by 10, 10%? The score that you have, what would you do to shift that by 10%? What can that's quite often when it comes to resilience about having supportive relationships, about uh, people around you that are going to enhance your resilience. It's about your own, your, your, the quality of your food intake, about reduction in alcohol use, about the whole area of um, your body is a, mach- is a mechanical machine that needs to be moved. How much movement are you doing with your body? And, you know, all of these add to your resilience. And the question then is, if you're going to face adversity, having your your resilience battery fuller make, means that you're going to bounce back quicker. Mm-hmm. Okay, love it again. It's a little bit of analysis. Have a look at where you are now, what you need to do to make those changes and just implement the changes. Um, the final exercise in the mind 
Jim, earlier on we talked about saying yes, taking risks, taking chances, uh, being open to new experiences, getting outside your comfort zone. And the final exercise is, in some respects, the flip of that. It's learning to say no and using no as a tool to improve your mental wellness and your mental health. So in Ireland, think about it in your own, think about it. How many times have you said yes when you really wanted to say no? Sometimes we're very passive and, and we're, we're, you know, we're, we, we want to people please. But sometimes that's at a that's cost to ourselves when we say yes, when we really want to say no. And learning to say no is, comes under the skill of assertiveness. Assertiveness, and, and fundamentally it's about boundaries. Being assertive is, like today, I would say that we've had a great conversation. It's a win for everybody. It's a win for you. It's a win for me. It's a win for the listeners. And everybody's learned. I've learned today as well. So um, that's a win-win. When we say no, when we want, sorry, when we say yes and we want to say no, that means that it's a win for the other person, but a lose, a lose for you. Mm-hmm. So learning to say no, we need to, you know, there's really good tools out there on assertiveness. And, uh, and that's the key to it. We don't learn it very well, but it's a skill. And the, you start thinking of it like a ladder. You start, you say no to the person that, the, you know, that's easiest to say no to. That might be, you know, somebody in a shop or, you know, if you're asked like the, do you, do you want a do you want a muffin with your coffee? You know, she might say no. You know, I know people uh, who freak out with those kind of questions. They're in a restaurant and you're like, oh, would you like whatever? And they just can't handle it and they take it because it's like give it. It's like they don't want, they don't want to say no. Yeah, so or it is certain off at small little steps. Small like steps, yeah. and then you know the whole area of assertiveness, like learning to make. You know, it's a brilliant thing called the assertive bill of rights. Okay. Maybe I'll come in another day and we'll do another. We might another have to do a second things. episode. I'm looking but, at the clock here. We're <laughs> rocking through, and there's so. And I know myself and Eddie know each other about ten years. I know him a long time, and there's so much content there. I think we're going to have to bring you back at some stage. But we're going to wrap the Mind Gym episode with basically that one, which is say no a little bit more, put yourself first a little bit more, mm. and then to summarize all of the tips that we've gone through. We will summarize them online on independent.ie, be able to see a list of them there, and you can always catch up as well. But a key thing what I've taken from today is that it really is so important to step back and look at the different components of your life in terms of relationships, in terms of yourself, in terms of your comfort zone, in terms of all the different things and your resilience and just putting things in place to improve and putting that little bit of time and effort into yourself to make yourself better and make you mentally stronger and mentally well. Dr. Eddie Murphy, thank you so much for coming in. I do think we'll have you back on in the future at some stage, but thank you so much for joining us on The Real Health Podcast. Great opportunity to talk to you again. Thank you, Carol. Well, folks, there you have it. Our top 10 tips from the Mind Gym with Dr. Eddie Murphy. You're listening to The Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. After just 15 episodes, we have over a quarter of a million listens so far. I'm so proud and so delighted. And thank you so much for listening in. Have a great week. Try those tips. And I'll see you next week. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.